Nintendo Full Scope, a podcast designed to analyze the games that we love, headlines and music, and the movies we can't forget. I'm your host, Winter Burns. I'm a kind of far save on words. How's it going, man? It's going good. It's going pretty good. It's going good. Another day, another dollar, man. Absolutely. Well, we're joined by a special guest, Kevin Garcia. Uh, once again, he's been in the uh, guest for us for uh, past episodes. Um, always enjoy having him on, and thank you for being back on, bro. Of course. Glad to be on here again. Absolutely. And for this episode, we have a lot of topics to get into, obviously, NBA, NFL, some album reviews. In the second half, we're going to do a review of Killers of the Flower Moon. But to start off with uh, thoughts on the Nuggets win versus the Lakers, um, Denver won 119-107 to in the, in the season opener. Uh, Jamal Murray had 21 points. KCP scored 20. Um, and uh, all of the LA starters also scored in double figures. But obviously, the big, the biggest te- biggest headline was AD going scoreless in the second half. Um, and and it's, it's crazy because Denver even though there were parts where the game was closer in the first half and then LA was going on a run, they still were able to, to distance themselves. Um, even Murray ha- had his moments, Aaron Gordon as well. Uh, to you, Kevin, like, like what were your takeaways from this, from this opening night game? I know you're, you're, you're a part of the Lakers fan club. So uh, what did you think? <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, obviously I didn't like it. Um, I, I, the very early games, it's really hard to take away a whole bunch all the time. I mean, Obviously, I'm going to say that since they lost. I'd probably say something different if they had won. But uh, <laughs> being optimistic, I'm, I'm going to – I didn't like, obviously, AD um, just kind of – yeah, just not scoring in the second half. I mean, just yeah. point blank. Um, I, I still think there's a lot that's fine. They're figuring a few things out. I, I still think Lakers will be solid. Um, I, the Nuggets are – I mean, they've been – a lot of them have been there. And so they have a smart team, yeah. smart players. They know how to fit in. They know how to plug and play. Yeah. So um, I think the Lakers have lost like seven or eight uh, season openers in a row now. So it I'm just, you know, <laughs> wasn't fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I wanted to be able to say something back to the Nuggets fans um, on Twitter. Uh, the whole off season, the whole off season was was literally like AD and LeBron saying, "Hey, that's the that's the game we got circled." They've been the Nuggets have been chirping. They've been saying all this, and it's like AD, you you can't go scoreless if you're saying that's the game you have circled. Like, come on, man. That that's no. unacceptable. Nope. Yeah. Um. To you, Savon, what did you think about this game, and also just you know how the Nuggets looked and, and their season opener as defending champs, and also you know the issues with the Lakers. Uh, it, it's good to see Jokic is still Jokic, even if he doesn't want to be in the states and play basketball. He doesn't want to play. He'd rather rather be back home doing uh, with the horses. But him having a triple double is, it's like. It's like seeing rain or seeing the sunshine or a sunset or sunrise. It's just something you expect to happen at this point in time in his (laughs) career. Just something you can expect. But what I do love, I love how uh, Jokic is still feeding his team the ball. That's his first MO. And then he creates so many uh, shots for for his players. But going back to the Lakers... I think they're trying to figure out rotation. There's a, button, there's a couple videos, especially one video specifically, LeBron James talking to the head coach saying, hey, I can play point guard. We can do this and this. He's trying to explain something like, I'm just sitting around lollygagging. I think once they find out a good rotation or a good setup for these guys to flourish, I think the Lakers, it can be uh, the team that goes to the NBA Finals, even go a stretch uh, in the playoffs. But they have to find that, that niche of rotation, AD not being not scoring in the second half can't can't happen again. It cannot happen again. And a lot of people saying, "Oh, this is AD's team," or he has to be. No, it's not AD's team. He has to be the best player on this team. So 
he has to step up. He has to figure out a way. His jump shot needs to wake up. He used to be a three-point shooter when he was with, with the Pelicans. The, the Pelicans, yeah. Yeah, he had that bag. It doesn't seem like the bag is current or what was going on, but he has to wake up. He has to be – we expect him to be like Jokic. We expect him to make his team better and assist. We expect him to make, knock down shots and create his own shot because he, he has the contract. He's the guy, yeah. LeBron James, in his later years. So once they figure out a good rotation, I think that will help. But AD has to play better. He has to play all four quarters for them to be successful. For the Lakers, do you think – Kevin, do you think Austin Reeves has to be like that third best player for, for this team? Because he really is – like he's the big shot maker. He's going to get buckets. Like do you feel as though if – if Austin Reeves is the third best, they can really be at their their peak. Oh, I, I absolutely do. I mean, because for most teams, um, there's not like that used to be for like the fat last like what 15 years or so. It's like who's the third best player, and is our third better than your third? And now it's like is your third through seven better than their third through seven or whatever it is, you know? And like, uh, and so I mean, Austin Reeves last year in his very first like playoffs, he put up 17, five, and four which is like very fine for a player to be not LeBron, to be not AD. Um, And so for him to be able to do that, and you could see even in, uh, there were certain series where he looked like he started to get a little tired. Like, so so there was some stuff where it was like, okay, it's hitting a certain peak and he'll learn from that more and more. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he can, because it's not like I'm expecting him to like dominate and school put up 45. I'm expecting him to make some smart shots. He's good at getting some free throws. He passes well. Um, he, he tries on defense. Like he's, 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 he's smart at least, you know what I mean? He's not going to be caught. Like his guy is just cutting back door. He's not a lockdown guy by any stretch, Same but defender. he's at least around. Yeah. Which is very underrated, you know, like, because you'll see somebody kind of athletic stay in front of somebody for two plays and you're like, Oh man, this is pretty good. But then the rest of the game, they're not even watching their dude who just cuts for a three or cuts right. for a dunk. Or, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I think if he's that, um, I think he needs to be able to also do that now with pressure versus it being an unexpected thing. Right. Like um, I joke, like, man, it's been like 10 years ago now when I lived in Atlanta, I'm not great at basketball, but if I'm the fifth best player on my team, I'm going to beat their fifth best player. Like, <laughs> like, cause there was like no expectation. They yeah. put Logical. someone slower on me. Logical. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, I'll get past that dude. But then once I start scoring, because the really good dudes assisting me and they put the good guy on me, then I'm like, oh, that's not me. (laughs) Yeah. And so we can't have Austin Reeves doing that. We have to have Austin Reeves, even with pressure, being able to make plays and uh, facilitating, scoring, just keeping the offense moving a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Um, And now getting to the Suns win versus the Warriors. uh, Phoenix won 108 to 104 at Golden State. And uh, Devin Booker scored the the go-ahead layup with 451 remaining, followed by a three-pointer on the way to 32 points. And obviously this being the first game with Chris Paul, um, you know, and then the season with Golden State, that was going to be the focus of it. And Steph Curry's foul trouble was like one of the biggest like like points of, of the game because that was a, a major issue. Um, Chris Paul facilitated well, but I think Kaminga really has to be better um, for Golden State if they're really going to get to that next level. And then Booker, I think he's going to have an MVP caliber season all the way throughout. Uh, so you, Kevin, what were some of your takeaways of this game and, and what's it out to you? It was kind of a hard game to evaluate. Like, really, like you said, there's Draymond's out, Bradley Beal's out, Draymond's out, Beal's out. Um, uh, like the one thing that stood out the most that was like small was like it really hit me. Like, oh, Chris Paul is going to be the one leading their like backups. 
Like, it's going to be Chris Paul, who's like, you know, can't put up 35 minutes a game anymore. But, like, if he's going against other people's backups and, Mm -hmm. like, it's at least not going to be leaking whenever he's controlling the game. You know what I mean? Like, he's going to get everyone and put them in position. To be honest, I'm not a big – all of the whole young movement of the Warriors that they did while they're trying to do it at the same time, I had never been really thinking that that was going to work out. So I'm not – yeah. I see Kaminga doing well sometimes, don't have super high expectations. But, yeah, overall from the game, it's a little hard just because so many people were out with foul trouble, things yeah. like that going on. It's, the game's going to look a lot differently the second time they play because most of those guys are going to be back. And we can get a better <laughs> a better assessment a better assessment of Maybe. It. Well, may, honestly, we'll Booker, Booker and Bill aren't playing tonight against the Lakers. So it's just like you, know, you never know who's yeah. going to show up. Uh, to to, to yeah. you, Savon, uh, what were some of your, your thoughts on this game? And obviously, like, like Kevin was saying, the, the Golden State is trying to move younger, but some of those guys haven't been as consistent for them starting off. Well, you said it the first time, Kaminga. I think him coming off the bench was the great a great move, but I think he has to get in that groove. First game of the season, preseason, and really see what he can become. But I think coming off the bench and having 12.6 rebounds and assists in 20 minutes, I think that's decent enough for the first game of the season. I think once Klay Thompson gets working, like you said, uh, the old man with the with the gray beard that's not not playing in Draymond Green. There's a lot of pieces still not you know playing yet, but I do think this team can be a good team. And I know that was weird. That's to your say, finals pick, right? That's your finals pick, right? No, no, yeah. no, 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 no. It's still the What's Lakers. Your finals? Oh, the Lakers. Okay, that's right. Lakers and the uh, Bucks. This is who I have. I got Denver Celtics. You always mm. have Denver. You <laughs> Jamal Murray and Jokic, the best too. Oh my gosh. I, I was up there too. I remember we talked about these yes, deals. Uh, last yeah, time. that's why yes, I said it. That's too. why exactly why I said yes. it. Oh my gosh, Jamal Murray. <laughs> hey, playoff Murray is different. Yeah, different. yeah. When he's healthy. Oh, yeah, and, like, and, and with Jokic. <laughs> Those knees. I hope he got them knees <laughs> in the freezer. <laughs> Get it ready, but ice. But no, um, I do think. This, uh, the the Warriors can be really good. Kaminga coming off the bench. I think Chris Paul is starting going to find his his role. I think he's just being, you know, playing back like those guys do, and I'm just going to facilitate. But I think he's going to start knocking down shots. It's gonna, they're going to play his fastball in transition, and nobody's going to keep up with him. This is the first game, so I'm not worried. And for Booker, at 32 points, he came in questionable. It's it's so frustrating to see Booker do this in a regular season, but he doesn't show up in the playoffs. It's always like this. Hey, hey, buddy, what you're gonna show up? I digress. I like the pieces that they have more this year. Nurkic and Nurkic and I feel as though this year is gonna be a better a better year for Phoenix, honestly. And we'll and I, I really to. the size the size matters. Nurkic he can he can be that that, that stalwart stalwart for them. So I think that can be. And Akogi was knocking down big shots. Like they need surrounding pieces, and I feel like that's what Phoenix did this offseason. I think Bradley Bill is going to be this, this this deciding factor, especially in the playoffs. His first time being in the playoffs, he's going to go nuts. If when they make it to the playoffs, he's going to play beat oh, out of his mind. Yeah. He has to. That's why I think, I think that's, that's a dangerous, season. really dangerous team. Yeah, like, but he has to get healthy. He has to be healthy oh, for the sure. full season. Because he's been bound to injury since the Wizards. So him coming, I thought he was going to be okay, but obviously he's out. But if he's healthy, he's gonna go, but he's gonna go crazy. Do you guys have any thoughts on the on the Harden Philly? Uh when is Harden uh what's Harden gonna do? When's he gonna he did he wanted to show up there like, hey, just 
Stay home. Stay home. What's the point? What is the no, point? Walk away. Walk <laughs> yeah. away from basketball. Just I just away. don't get it. He's just gonna keep Marianne. The Clippers. The Clippers literally said we're keeping Terrence Mann. We don't. We don't. We're not giving him up for James Harden. Like they're literally at that point. Like we're not giving him up for, for James Harden. They're they're just nobody's really buying it. Because he's not worth it anymore. Understand what you're going through with the Philly and all this stuff is warranted, whatever. But there, you're not worth the headache. If you were, you know, Houston Rockets, James Harden, we'll put up with the headache yeah. and we'll oh, yeah. give the teachers away. But you're not worth it right now. You're on well, a steady decline. Yeah, I, I think if um, if Russell Westbrook plays like how he has been playing. I think that's also what's kind of causing the hesitate. He didn't shoot 25 shots yesterday. And then to end the playoffs, he played very solid, more efficient. And so if he's doing that and scoring like 13 to 15 points and getting like 11 assists, yeah, like that's not the issue. They just need to get Paul George and Kawhi to be healthy once in their lifetimes <laughs> for that awful organization that tried to talk about the lake. Uh, never mind. I'll just oh, – yeah. but yeah. So <laughs> they were spicy. They were spicy that first year when they got Kawhi and Paul George. Like we're going all the way and didn't even didn't even get yeah, past Denver. Like, spotlights over streetlights. <laughs> like, streetlights over oh, city. Whatever that corny stuff was. Yeah. Um, they didn't and, even play. <laughs> and, and and another thing with with um, last night, Victor Webinyama's debut. Obviously, that was going to be a big thing highlighted. Um, he had 15 points, uh, five rebounds, two assists. Um, Kevin, to, to you, what, what were your initial thoughts on? How he looked, you know, first game. Obviously, that was going to be a big, a big spotlight on him. And obviously, I feel as though the defensive upside for him is going to be there more than off- offensively. I think he's going to grow more offensively and defensively. He can kind of be that instant uh, game changer. Uh, what do you kind of think about Wembenyama so far? Well, if those other players, players A, players B, whatever their names are on the Spurs, are giving the ball more. Yeah. Like, there's times where Kyrie was guarding him in the post, <laughs> and I'm like. What are y'all? And then I saw a dude just pull up and take a three. And I'm saying player A, player B. I don't, I don't even remember their names. Like, they, they remind me of the players that were, like, Michael Jordan on, like, NBA 2K, like, 2000 or whatever. And they couldn't put Jordan. They put, like, a random person. Yeah. That's who that, That's who wasn't passionate to Wimby. Like, there was little dudes, like, in the post a couple of times. And then towards the end of the game. I mean, I, I think he's going to do solid. But I definitely – that was weird to me a little bit. Um, There's only one game. So it's not that big of a deal, but right. yeah, for sure. The, the defense is going to translate really well to some degree. The, the only thing is, is like, obviously his just natural blocking will be there, but um, I feel like there's going to be one play this year. I heard someone else say it on a podcast, but he's going to get turned around like Gobert at least once this year. He's going to get caught yeah. on the perimeter with yeah, like a, like a Kyrie or somebody. Yeah, it's <laughs> definitely going to happen. Um, I don't think it'll be that bad. He's a little smoother than Gobert, but it'll it'll. He looks he's more gangly, so he's gonna be like rolling out like a noodle, getting crossed or something. I'm like like a noodle. <laughs> yeah, maybe it'll be uh, Mr. Penguin himself. If you saw uh, what's his name, Andre Drummond, oh, he crossed uh, Chet wow. Holmgren. <laughs> oh man, that was wild. Oh, it's the most embarrassing crossover ever, the, but ever of all time goes in the Hall of Fame, yeah. the Pantheon. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think Wemby will do good. I think he'll start scoring more. Maybe he also, the more he plays and does it, he'll probably just start to demand it more a little bit too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. Definitely. Uh, to, to you, Savon, uh, what are your kind of expectations for Wemby Yaman and also just you know how he look in, in his debut? Uh, I think it's going to be similar to Luka Doncic, like when he first got into the league. 
the trust factor with it with his teammates. And yeah. then I think after the first, after the, probably like the end of the first year, early second year, they start like okay, Lucas, Lucas, it. And I think I think there's some remnants of them knowing that Wimby is going to be the eventually going to be the guy. But obviously, you you want to get your shots off too. Like okay, I'm tired of hearing him. I'm tired of hearing <laughs> by him. I can shoot too. I can shoot and, uh, too. <laughs> so I think it's 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 that mindset. But eventually, going to realize. Um, that he's he's the guy. He's he, this is oh, yeah. his team, and he was drafted first round for a reason. The chosen and I'm one. Glad, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's, he's the chosen one. <laughs> and I'm glad Kevin brought up Rudy Gobert because that's what he reminds me of. And I think his defense is going to be uh, more stellar than its offense. Obviously, we can know he can create his own shot. He can do all these things, facilitate. But I think his defensive presence is going to help them win at least you know 40 games. Because of his defense, and yeah. I think it's that because Rudy yeah, Gobert with the Jazz was mm. just that they were they were decent because of his defense. It's going to be difficult because you're going to have to be really creative, and we've seen that throughout the preseason. You have to be creative against Wimby because he is the orange lip is crazy. He's blocking Clay Thompson shot. He's blocking Damian Lillard shot. Mm-hmm. He's blocking popcorn in the stands. Like he's doing everything possible. So I think his defense is going to be big for them, and that that can translate into them, like Kevin said. I believe winning 40 games at least. If he stays healthy. <laughs> I love that. And to be that able to to, to, to block a clay or Skeff shot, you know how quick they get off threes? Like that just mm-hmm. doesn't happen a lot. That mm-hmm. is just re- that's that preseason Golden State game, that really re- really showed me a lot. But um uh Savon, the Bulls, they they held a um only players meeting after their first loss. <laughs> That is the wildest headline of all time. A players only meeting after the first loss. It's already panic in Chicago. It's already panic, guys. They're they're already panicking. I don't they're I don't have any explanation for that. They're tired of losing. I understand it. They're trying to lose it. Billy Donovan, <laughs> well, really used to Billy it. Donovan was like, hey, can I come in? They're like, there's like, no, no, no. No, nah, bro. Only players they only, only meeting after the first game of the season. <laughs> Fed up. Fed what, up. What Drake said, I'm, I'm upset. upset. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. Um, and now get, in, get into the NFL with the Vikings' close win versus the 49ers. Minnesota won 22-17 to um, this past Monday, Monday night, and Kirk Cousins connected with Addison for, for, for two first-half scores. And the most important factor of the game was, was obviously Cameron Bynum intercepting Brock Purdy twice. And yes. it's interesting because, like we were mentioning last week about Purdy being a system quarterback, possibly. I did want to see Purdy close that game out and finish it and just show, like, hey, I can be that guy. But he... There's there's still some hesitation with it, with them at, at QB. I feel as though that's a really good team, but you are going to have some questions about them. Uh, to you, Kevin, what were some of your takeaways and just like initial initial thoughts for it? Yeah, man, it's hard because like when I watched that Cowboys game, he was making some like great throws. Yes, like it, there weren't even just the wide open ones. He was making some really good ones, and I was like, man, maybe Purdy's like a little bit better than I'm thinking. Maybe he's and I'm, I'm not saying just because of a couple games he might not be, but like, it it didn't look great. <laughs> like, yeah. like uh, it, 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 they put him in that position where like you have to play or yeah. you have to make plays, and we're expecting you. And then can you still do it? And um, you know, it just didn't work out a little bit. But like, it was just hard because I mean, the 49ers like two weeks ago, I was like, man, they, I don't know who can beat this team. Them. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, and I know any given Sunday, the NFL is crazy. The worst team can beat the best team just yeah. on, a, on a day. I, I understand that for sure. But, um, yeah, it was just confusing. It's not like the Vikings have been killing it either. Like, so it, it was it was just really, like, 
obviously the Vikings have talent and everything, but like, um, yeah, they're definitely going to need because man, the rest of that team is almost perfect, bro. Yeah. Even even when I'm playing Madden, if someone picks the 49ers, I'm like, oh man, yeah, like, why? Play no more. Like, you want to give up? <laughs> uh, let me back out. Yeah, <laughs> send me the Panthers, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and and that's the puzzling thing to to me, Savon, because like it it really was one of those games where Minnesota hasn't been that good. Obviously, in, at any given Sunday, or any Monday night, anything can happen. But what did you think about that loss for San Francisco? They're obviously going to be fine. But um, what were some of your, your takeaways uh, from that loss? It started off early. There was a couple turnovers early. And we talked about this last week of Purdy being a system quarterback. And I said he's absolutely a system quarterback because, one, you have weapons on each point X, Y, Z. You have yeah. weapon at tight end. You have a weapon, two weapons in the backfield. Your offensive line is one of the probably top five best in the NFL. So you don't have to do much. You you game manage. You take what the defense gives you. You don't make mistakes, and you're the starting quarterback. Exactly. That's what the team is built off of, right? And I do believe if Matt Jones was in the system, he would do possibly even better than Purdy did. So, but I do think he's a system quarterback, but it started early. And then once you get down, you throw two interceptions. This is what great quarterbacks or elite quarterbacks, as people have been calling Purdy, and I, I love uh, Shannon Sharp saying this, if Purdy is an elite quarterback, we have to come up with a different name for Patrick Mahomes. And I think that is <laughs> spot yeah, on. That is. If he's an elite quarterback, Patrick Mahomes is something else. He's an alien or something. <laughs> but when you when it, it reminds me of Jimmy Garoppolo because I think Jimmy is a system quarterback as well. It reminded me of him playoff Super Bowl. They had the opportunity to beat and win a Super Bowl, and he didn't. He didn't step up to the plate, and yeah. I think that's what happens when system quarterbacks get revealed. And okay, he's just just he's not elite. He's just another quarterback in a great system that they built over the past couple of years. <clears throat> but the Vikings look good. Kirk Cousins. Statistically, he's the best quarterback in the league, and I hate to say that because I'm so high of disapproval for Kirk Cousins. I think he's not a really good say, quarterback. I know that statement hurted you. I know that statement hurt you. Even say that. <laughs> so inconsistent. I feel like, yeah, I feel like he's either the greatest all-time system quarterback or like the worst ever good quarterback. <laughs> like, yes, literally. That's what it is. <laughs> literally. If he was Just in that weird space, yeah, he's yeah. in that weird space. If he was consistent, then I'll have the utmost regard. For Kirk Cousins, even if he's a Vikings quarterback, and you know I'm a Green Bay Packers fan, even if he's a Vikings quarterback, whatever. But it's he looked good. He he looked okay. And then Purdy is just not a lead quarterback, and it was shown in this game. Yeah. Um, and now getting to the Eagles' home win versus Miami, Philadelphia won 31 to 17. Um, Jalen Hurts threw for 279 yards through a TD and ran for one. And this was also AJ Brown's fifth straight game of 125 plus yards. And it's interesting getting that San Francisco loss and then the, the the night before Philadelphia, there's been questions about them. But when you really look at it, at the end of the day, they're still that team. They're, they're still that team that you're going to have to face, going to have to go through. And I feel like that was a reminder game for them against the Dolphins. Um, Kevin, how, how, did, how did you feel about that win for Philly and also what Miami uh, couldn't do? Man, Philly's almost perfect. I mean, they're just doing basically what they did last year when everyone, I mean, including myself, I was almost kind of like, even last year, I thought they were going to be one of those, maybe those teams that go like 15 and one and 14 and two and then lose. Like, you know, like how the Titans went a couple yeah. of times or yeah. just, uh, 
Green Bay did once one year. Um, and I'm a Green Bay fan too. So like, but like, yeah. you know, there's those random teams where you see them or in basketball, the Hawks one year, they won like 63 oh, games. Oh yeah. yeah. 60 plus. All five were in the, but, but when you watch them, you're like, ah, you they're know. Losing five. They're, they're losing five to Cleveland. Yeah. To the front, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and, and I think, man, I feel like that Philly team is like great to such a degree right now that it's like kind of almost being overlooked because it's just like a machine. Yeah. Like they're just kind of like going through. I mean, the line's great. The quarterback's great. The receiving's great. They can run the ball. They can push the quarterback forward. The defense is tight. Like <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's very hard. Cause even, even me, I, I, Jalen Hurts, I was still like, man, I don't know how much he, but man, the Super Bowl, how he played, I was like, man, he's been, yeah, he can, when it comes to like him having to make plays and everything, he can. Yeah. And he has. And so, I don't know. As much as I said about what I thought the 49ers were, the Philly's been kind of like that for like since last year. Yeah. <laughs> so, and they just prove it obviously against a really good team in Miami, a team that's been rolling and scoring and yeah. doing all kinds of stuff. So, yeah. Definitely. Um, to you, Savon, how did you feel about it? Uh, um, just how efficient Philly was because because like we said they looked kind of inconsistent at times in the early part even when they were undefeated but yeah. they could they should they, they show you when they play against an elite team they can turn on at any point and that whole yeah. system, offensive system can 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 really do wonders a couple takeaways Jalen Hurts was so poised he was under he was under duress for a lot of those throws he's strong on the run I mean that that shot to uh Brown uh, he had what a, a defensive tackle in his face, a linebacker blitzing, running back didn't pick him up. He got smacked, delivered a shot between two defenders. Man, that that takes ultimate poise. And then I love how they plan for this fast, fast four by one type of offense. Monstart was was non-existent. Uh, it's it's just Jalen Wald, all these guys really didn't have a great game. They game mm-hmm. playing so well. And I said this to a friend of mine. I said. That the the defense is going to get to Tua. You can't if you stop the running game, which they did. They're going to start pressuring Tua, and Tua not going to make those throws like he does when he has a clean pocket. And he's not an elusive run. He's not going to extend the play all the time. He's a pocket passer. And once they get there with that young core in the defensive line. They're going to start pressuring him. He's going to start missing throws. And all the secondary you have to do is hold on for dear life. So that's yeah. what exactly what happened. They were, they were able to get off the field on third downs. They were able to get pressure, play behind the sticks with the uh, against the Miami Dolphins. It's a lot of things that went well for the Eagles. And Jalen Hurts showed that he can be a leader on Sundays, on Mondays, on Thursdays. He can be a leader of the NFL team. And he showed that today. And then I'm glad mm-hmm. him and Brown are on the same page. Yes, now. I like to see that. Yeah, really. I, I hey, really did, did y'all did y'all see the 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 sideline mic uh, of Jalen Hurts during the yeah. game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Somebody yeah. Tweeted. They were like, "Man, that dude be code switching at these press conferences." Yeah. <laughs> he really does. How he was talking to Adrian during the game. Yeah, <laughs> the master yeah. that. Goodness. Man. <laughs> Um, and, and I'll get, in, get into to thoughts on, on the Patriots' uh, Buffalo game. The Patriots won 29-25 to 25 off of uh, Mac Jones' late touchdown. Um, Bill Belichick is now the third coach for 300 wins. And one of the biggest I- issues for the Bills in this game was, you know, them struggling on third down and scoring touchdowns on only two of their four red zone opportunities. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've mentioned this so many times, Savon, about how the Bills are just one of the most frustrating teams because yeah. we know the potential, we know the upside, but they don't bring it every week. And Josh Allen is, is that roller coaster quarterback. Um, to you, Kevin, what did you think about this loss for them and also just the concern for them going forward as one of the supposedly top teams in the AFC? 
Bro, the same exact thing. Like, it's very frustrating. Because, and I find it just particularly frustrating because I used to be really defensive sometimes with Josh Allen. Because I, I, early on, I was like, man, he's going to be really good. And he was playing. He, I mean, he's still going to finish great and have a good year and all that, right? But it's just like, and he's above a lot of other quarterbacks who are inconsistent to a degree. And he's shown in games. He's dueled with Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, like, they went back and forth, all that. Yeah. But, but, like, with all that being said, man, there's times where I'm like, man, maybe some stuff's blinding me because of my defense of him. Because, like, I'm just seeing, I'm like, the things are happening that people have been critiquing about. So, like, yeah. what can I say? Like, 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 I don't get what happens whenever you have a talent level the last couple of years sometimes against certain teams and then come out and just, like, have a complete dud. Like, yeah. like I, I don't get it. And I, and, and I used to – because here in Dallas, there's a lot of people who've critiqued him because for some reason – People like compare and contrast him with Dak a lot, mm-hmm. not like as in how good they are, but in regards to the type of criticisms. Yeah. And yeah. so I hate Cowboys fans, even though they are not Cowboys <laughs> fans, but like the Cowboys. Um, and, and so I hear it and I'm always like, oh, y'all, dude, Josh Allen's clearly better than Dak, which I still agree with. But I was like, man, maybe he should be getting more critiqued the way some quarterbacks do, because he kind of does duck and dodge it a little bit to the level of like, how some quarterbacks of that level who get that kind of praise get. And so I don't know, man, that's a frustrating, I would be very frustrated um, following them if I was like a super fan of them. Definitely. Um, to, to you, Savon, how, how did you, how did you kind of um, think, what, what did you kind of think about this loss for, for, for Buffalo? And also like Kevin was saying, like it's, it's that, that constant frustration of they should be better. Um, they yeah. should be in that top <clears throat> tier, but they're just not reaching that level. But just go back to the basics. And we, we see, like, when he first got into the league, we we were so in awe because he was jumping over people. He was extending plays. He was making the right reads. He was making the right throws. And this is a guy from Wyoming that we that nobody heard of until he got drafted by the Bills. And we're like, okay, well, what are they doing? Why did the Bills draft a guy from Wyoming? Nothing's in Wyoming but just, just land. It's like I didn't even know they had a football team. So, but just go back to the basics, what you guys were good at. The defense yeah. is still, I think, top five, top 10 defense in the league. But you have to go back to the basics. The running game has to work for them. That gives him not to throw 40, 40, 45 times a game, get the ball out of his hands and make it easier for him. You have to get the running game started. I think that's what helped him his first two years. And then he can make those throws. He can make those one-on-one reads on the outside. Now the safety is not – and I don't have to run too too deep because the running game is not working. I can throw different packages at him and not third down and not conversion on third down is a big one. And being one of the worst teams in the NFL in the red zone has to change. So I have to get back to the basics. Yeah. Have to get back to the basics. Run the ball. Make it easier on Allen. Don't let him play hero ball. There's a lot of hero ball going on and Jordan Love is one of them. I'm tired of it. I'm so tired. Just speak on your Packers frustration, man. It's open space. It's open space. He tricked us. He started to trick me. He did. I, I thought the first He's a trickster. Game. He's a trickster. I was like, okay, Jordan, you have to do much. But but I don't want to talk about that because he's gonna he's gonna make me mad. But he <laughs> Allen plays hero ball. He tries to force things. I think I don't know what's going on, but then he just need to get back to the basics. Start with the running game, open up the pass a little bit, lean on that offensive line. I think just just do that and then then we'll see what they're doing. I do I do think they're still one of the best teams in AFC. But right now, they need to get back to the basics. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. 
anyway, I, I don't. I know this might be too early, but I don't think it's crazy to say that we might see a Chiefs Eagles. There's a possibility we might see a Chiefs Eagles rematch. It honestly might. I'm looking at those two, and I'm like, these are the two, the two best teams. I think these are the I two think, best. I teams. think 49ers is gonna be in there. Let me let me sneak in my sneaky pick. This is my other one percent fandom. Ninety nine percent of my fandom is Green Bay. Like all of them, my, my other one percent has always been the Baltimore Ravens. Oh and so yes, the Ravens Baltimore, are Baltimore. Very well. Yes, they're they're people keep. I mean, Lamar threw for like they're making fun of him not throwing, and they beat a team in Detroit who's been playing very well. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And Baltimore's always just had that kind of like they make those runs even against the Patriots at times, even yeah. against like. So uh, that's kind of like my sneaky team over there but i wouldn't bet it because i wouldn't bet against patrick mahomes probably for the next 10 years but yeah like, <laughs> sure. smart man smart man smart man yeah. he's um, the new brady don't bet against brady they say damn literally <laughs> that's not a guy you want to bet against for sure yeah i learned that the hard way in a, that atlanta game i always bring that up i will always bring that up 28 oh, uh, <laughs> you're still tight you're still tight about <laughs> Turn the game off at half time. Oh my goodness. Um, and I'll get into our first album review with the Sampa's uh, Lahai um, in his new album, which was his first since 2017. I really can contain ruminations, manic thoughts, and you know, existential questions across a myriad of sounds, which is very reflective. Um, you know, Savon, we've talked about uh, Sampa many times, how great yeah. he is on features, how he can flow well with songs. Um, I, I really like this project. I thought it was was a good concise body of work a good run through i thought it had a a lot of high um moments through through it uh so yeah. you kevin what did you kind of think about this project and just you know your overall a feel of it man I, I really enjoyed it like i and i enjoyed it to the degree that i feel like the more i listen to it it could very well be one that i wind up like really really liking later like almost all the albums i really wind up liking like at the beginning, I'm like, man, I like them at about a seven or something. Like, yeah. and then I just keep listening, and it like grows, grows. Because a lot of times, the ones I really like at first, sometimes it like almost kind of wears out a little bit. Like, yeah, um, I really enjoyed it. I mean, he, he sound, you know, emotional music. He has an emotional <laughs> sound, but he also sounds a little bit like he's like it's there, but it also sounds like he's getting some help now a little bit, like a little bit. Like he's he knows some things that he should be doing to help out a little bit. And I'm in therapy. He's learning some stuff. Yeah, you know, I'm in therapy a little bit. I listened to Kendrick's album, and so I'm going to jump in here. And, you know, uh, <laughs> that's good, because he's definitely on Very good, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, um, and so, yeah, so I, I enjoyed it. Like it, it was enjoyable listening. So I, I'm, I'm still uh, early on with it and everything, but it was really enjoyable. Definitely. Um, to you, Savon, how did you feel about this project? Because, like, I really feel as though it's one that grows on you so much, as Kevin was mentioning. And, and the more you just sit with it, it's just, it just really sounds like beautiful music. And just it really was constructed well. Yeah, I, I enjoyed this one. I'm glad to see that he's still growing in music because he's he's took a, a hiatus for a while. A long hiatus. Since um, process. I think this this doesn't even touch process. Like that's a different still, level. His, yeah, that's a different his, level. That album straight through. This one had its high moments and it had some a lot of plug-in songs. Yeah. A lot of songs that he so was just a probably, couple skips. Yeah, stop. Yeah, it was a couple skips. Stop pouting. He was like, I'm just gonna put this on there. But for the most part, I love the versatility. I love the, the way he used different sounds like he always does. Like he, he loves to harmonize, he loves to to make it was one song he was he had some undertones I thought was really dope. But for the most part, yeah, this is a solid album. I, I do think he progressed as an artist, but I think process is still it's one of, is a, one of the, his best solid projects 
Obviously, he doesn't release music often, but I do think this is a step in the right direction for him to be back. Yeah, and I feel like that's that's actually like an accomplishment, even though it may not be superior to that album, when an artist can evolve like Sampha, that yeah. your album may not be as good, but it's a good album. Like like Kevin, like like how do you think his his future music will sound like? Do you think he should still stay in this lane? Or like you said, maybe like some of the maturity and reflection on where he's been at and how he's kind of learned from it? I mean, I think I think his sound um, lends itself to even as he matures and everything, the sound can still be very similar. Yeah. Um, I would be I would be interested in hearing him um, in a like I don't know if you would do whether it's a whole album or a few things or an EP that was of a whole different kind of tone or non somberish sounding type. Yeah. Thing. But I like that sound from I him too. It, yeah. So. It's like if I was wanting, you know, Martin Scorsese to make like a Wes Anderson movie. It's like, wh- like that's not what you go to not him for, though. Yeah. yeah. So, but I would still be interested because his voice is good. Like, I like hearing his voice. So, like, I was like, you know, I'm just curious what it might sound like. And who knows? Maybe someone has one of those AI TikTok sounds where he's singing like Michael Jackson songs and it don't sound right. But <laughs> yeah, like uh, I would be curious. But I think his 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 sound, his real musical with what he picks for his music, it lends itself to just having good quality music for whatever route he decides to go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and now getting to our next review with Alex Isley and Terrence Martins, I left my heart in and Landera. Uh, in this new P, it included Paradise, a cover of Sade's 1988 classic. They both mentioned how they wanted to, you know, push themselves musically and. You know, this was another type of project I thought was, was was elegant. Had neo soul. Um, Alex Isley has become like one of my favorite just artists to, to go to, to go to in R and B in that space. I feel as though she has a very unique voice. Um, to, to you, Kevin, how did you feel about this EP overall, and, and did you think it was a, a good collab? Oh, I, I really enjoyed this one. I, 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 this isn't one that I really had like on my radar. Yeah. To be honest, like I'd listened to a little bit of Alex Isley before, but it was just like, oh, I heard a couple songs in a playlist I'm listening to or whatever. I, I wasn't really fully there. But like when I first pushed play on this and you just hear like that bass line come, yes. I'm like a sucker for like good bass lines. And so like when that bass line hit, it, it just had a really good like, this is like a, it feels good. As contrasted sometimes with some of Sanford's music where I'm like in my just like, oh man, feeling my emotions, which, you know, is good. But like this one, it just had a good feel. Like I was like, man, I could see like, this is like me and my wife getting dressed up to go out on a date, (laughs) like a date date type thing. And like this kind of music, it just felt really good. Um, Like I said, it's it's very similar. It's only been out really short. Um, Mm -hmm. I see it more as something I'd love to just play around and out loud more than I'm just sitting by myself only. But although, even though I did, it it just had like good feel to it. It like kind of had like a subtle uplift your mood type feel. Yeah. Um, Again, that goes with like a lot of the baseline and the feel of the music, which, um, you know, he does really well um, on several projects before even partnering with Alex Isley on this. And so like, yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was a surprise. I I didn't have any expectation because I was like not looking for it. So when I listened, I was like, oh, I really enjoyed this. For sure, it's yeah. it's perfect outside music. I can just see this playing at so many different functions, and it and it works well. Um, to, to you, Savon, how did you feel about this collab? And it really was a groovy, um, just just feel good type of music. Yeah, I, I liked it. Um, but I think in some part, well, let's let's do this. Concise nine songs. Kudos. Um. I do think it got redundant in the middle. Um, a couple of songs started sounding the same in production, but I think that that's, that comes with Neo Soul because it's yeah. a specific type of sound. It's so mm-hmm. hard to get out of that. So that's why I didn't like. That's just me nitpicking. But yo, this yeah. is it was it was dope. It was listenable. You don't skip any songs. 
I think the the collab was really great. Yeah, this is a song like you said, date night, staying in for you know just sipping on some some cocoa, <laughs> something. Uh, real yeah, whatever. But yeah, this was, this was a. <laughs> Wait, was you can't you, you can't hold on. You can't do sip cocoa and then. <laughs> oh no! Buddy, come on, brother. I don't know. Oh man, I don't know what that means oh, outside man. of Florida. Like, <laughs> no, I touch my nose a lot, man. He's, you know, a part he's in of love with the coke. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, but I'm not though. I'm not okay. that type of coke. Black women, baby, I love y'all. Black the best, sweetie, too, baby. Coco Brown, baby. Coco Brown. <laughs> Coco Brown, baby. <laughs> oh man! See, I touch my nose a lot, man. That's I'm Italian, brother. Yeah, he's gonna keep. So he's, he's gonna keep thinking about that the rest of the time he does that. Yeah, I'm mean, like, hey, why did you say? <laughs> oh man! Oh man! Um, and, and I'll get into our next review with, with Earl, Earl Sweatshirt and, and the Alchemist of uh, uh, Vor Dyer for this project. This was obviously an, an elite rapper producer combo. We we always have loved the Alchemist production. He, he he's he's so consistent with it. Even the Larry June project he had earlier in the year. And I really feel as though this one had laser crafted beats um, and it really highlighted both of the artists and producers' strength. Uh, so you, Kevin, how did you feel about this project and, and the combination of, of the two? <laughs> um, so an analogy just came in my head. Like, I don't know, did y'all ever grow up like as picky eaters? Like, uh, I was a picky Like eater. I used to be pretty picky. And so as I got older, there's a lot of things that I did start to like that I didn't used to like, right? Nikki. <laughs> hey, look, I just I, I ate a lot of, of the particular thing that I wanted though. <laughs> so so um, but but then as I got older, there's times where I'd be like, hey, I used to not like this. Let me try it again and I like it. Um, I do the same with music, movies, a lot of stuff. I've wanted to like Earl Sweatshirt for a long time. I've wanted to. Can't do it. I was like, if anything's gonna make me finally do it, it's gonna be an alchemist produced album and so i was excited i even put on my good headphones to listen to i got in there and i don't like it so like <laughs> like i just i just it just doesn't click for me um i liked him i like the vince staples ones yeah because mostly because i like vince staples yeah, yeah. i almost would have been like man if this was like a little six or seven track of him and vince oh that would be contrasts really well yeah um although there might be some songs i skipped the the earl part like how I do with the future and drape tape a little bit with some of futures parts, but like oh, I still would have oh. <laughs> just a couple parts. Yeah, keep going. Listen, listen, but like yeah, so so there's that that style is just not something I've ever been able to get into with Earl. There's a couple other rappers that I've like, I'm got guys. I just it's just not for me. Like I don't. I'm not saying it's trash. I'm not saying it's bad. And I felt a little sadder because these beats sound incredible. Like I just want to get the do. instrumentals now from this uh, this album. These beats sound amazing. So I was a little, that's the only part I was disappointed in, um, besides still just not liking Earl that much. So that is not for me. Were you a fan of the West Side Gun album? Yes. Thank you, thank you. I was on a limb last week. I was the only one who was like, that. that is an amazing, <laughs> that is an amazing album. I feel as though West I don't know if I think it's natural. amazing, but I like it. Yeah. Like, like I like it. Like it's, listen, they put out 50 albums a year. Yeah. So like, I, I, I'm always like, music? It's gonna be pretty good. Like I'm, I'm cool with if if, if all of them are pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> and I and I like it. So for sure. Um. So you say one. Oh, that look. Oh, that look. I know. <laughs> he said Thumbs it all. Down. Thumbs down. Go ahead. Go he ahead. He said it all. And I mean, I like particularly Earl Sweatshirt. Some of his songs, but this he didn't. He didn't deliver. Vince. I think Vince Staples should have had this 
And you know, Vince Staples is starting. I'm starting to like Vince Staples more and more. Um, and his rapping ability, his ability to adapt to any beat. Earl Sweatshirt is the same throughout. It's like Larry June to a certain extent. I like some of Larry June's tracks, but it gets like, bro, switch it up, say something else, like scream, do yeah, like do something, bro. <laughs> but yeah, it's, this yeah. Alchemist beats, man, top, top five producer. He came, he came and it shut things down. But Earl Sweatshirt should have wore a t-shirt. <laughs> punchlines, punchlines. <laughs> they put him in a gildan. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, bro. And, and, and before we move on uh, to you, Kevin, have, have like, you know, get, getting to, you know, two months left in the year, a lot of people are crafting kind of like their favorite albums of the year, the ones that, that are kind of their standouts. Um, me and Savannah mentioned that, like how Killer Mike's album is one that really like a lot uh, Maida, Cleo Soul, a lot of artists mm-hmm. up there that have come like later in the year that have, that have picked it up. Uh, to you, have you kind of have like any any defining you know favorite albums of the year? Bro, what's so weird about this year is like I've listened to more non-rap than I've ever listened to in my life, um, and it's not like a, just a I'm older thing. It's literally just because there hasn't been that many people putting a lot out. But um, so I mean, Cleo Soul like is going to be by far my most listened to music this year. Um, Cause then she, she did the LeBron thing, like here, have another one. <laughs> like yeah. she just threw out another album too, right afterwards. Um, and so uh, that has been great. What's funny. So my whole life, I've always abhorred, disliked, hated country music, but I found one artist I do like, um, and his name's Tyler Childers or Childers. I don't know how to say it fully. Um, and just randomly I had just started and he sounds like one of these like, uh, dudes in Kentucky with overalls and no shoes on with like, you know, some straw coming out of his mouth. But then he also, but then I so saw, I was liking it and I was like, ah, let me check though. Cause I know how country, you know, let me see what his other things he said and talked about before, but he actually had a whole album come out in 2020 Excuse where me. the final song literally was about him talking about to other country people like what if these police came up and started rounding up your kids and um shot someone would y'all take that and would y'all be okay the literally whole album goes towards that and he's like a really big country artist that way um and he actually had a whole album come out right after the summer of 2020 kind of talking about those things and anyways he had an album come out this year that i thought was really enjoyable it was real fun um that sounded good um other than those i'm trying to think clear so that i'm probably missing some I'm Killer Mike. I, I've always, Killer Mike was also someone before I wanted to like, but didn't like, just couldn't quite get into him all the way. And I really liked his album this year. Um, I probably need to go back and listen to it a little bit more because I listened to it when it came out, and then I kind of haven't since. But I did enjoy it. Um, I like West Side Guns, but I, I don't know if I like it as much as you, but I did like it. Uh, <laughs> um, and you know, half of Drake's album was cool. It was, it was, <laughs> it was a fire album. It was a fire album. Save I'm going to keep hating it. He did his thing again. He did his thing again. 15 years of dominance. 15 years of dominance, man. He did his thing again. He did his thing. Same Half on of it. it was cool. Yeah, for sure. Half uh, of it was cool. For Savon, it was less than that. Savon, he wants him to take a year. He wants him to take a year break. He, he said, the hiatus, do it. Do it. Go away. Yeah, but Go away. Then, then he's going to be 40 years old. Still talk- <laughs> talking about the same things. Oh, man. I'm tired already. <laughs> The the pushback finally hit. <laughs> Which Cleo Soul album uh, did you like uh, more? Was it um, I think Heaven or, or Gold? Uh, 
Gold was the first one, right? That's the second one. Second, second oh, one? Heaven the then, one. yeah. Like, uh, I, well, I, I haven't listened to the second one as much, but so far I definitely think the first one I've listened to a lot. And even when I listened to um, Heaven, I liked it a lot. But like the first one, I was just like, it, it already had that, like, you know, you push, you start hearing a couple piano keys and you're like, <clears throat> let me drink some tea and get ready to cry a little bit. And like, <laughs> just <laughs> like, I'm such a huge Cleo Soul fan. Mother's maybe my favorite album of the last like five years. I'm talking about like everything. Yeah, like, and, and I don't even know how I'm not a mom. I don't relate to some of that anyway at all, <laughs> but like, it's, it was just so good. <laughs> um, and so, uh, yeah, like uh, that first one, I, I still want to listen to the second one a little bit more. Um, but I, I definitely think the first one is the one I really, that's going to be my most played music probably this whole year. Definitely. Um, and now get into our last review with Wally's Max Julian. Um, in this new single, it had a, a mellow vibe to it and a soulful beat. I mean, it delves into topics such as severing ties with friends and embracing his authentic, authenticity. And it's interesting because Wale, he's, you know, him him making a comeback. It's been a, been a couple of years since he put out a new project. Um, to you, Kevin, what did you think about this single and, and kind of like what you're looking for with this next album? Oh, I enjoyed it. I really liked it a lot. It reminded me kind of of like uh, the Gifted era where he did uh, have some of those like uh, gospel samples and musical sample type sounds. I enjoyed it. I mean, it, as a single from him, I don't think of it as a single, like a single artist song. put out a single. Yeah. I'm just kind of wanting to catch like, what are you maybe doing? And if you're just doing some stuff you've done and I kind of enjoy it, then I'm cool with it. I generally like most of his projects. I think only one, I think it was uh, Shine in like 2017. That's like the only one I just legit was just like, I didn't really like. The rest of them, even if they're not great, they're pretty good. He, I, I like them. So yeah, that's kind of my thoughts over that. Um, Savon, I know Wale is one of your favorites. I think top <laughs> five, he's already doing the shake in the head. He texted me Friday and said, bro, it's just a single. What? It's not a full album. Uh, man, what, did you, what were you disappointed about? This wasn't a single song. I think this was him just crying. And I think J. Cole already told you, bro, you don't have to keep <laughs> talking about this. You are a great rapper. You're one of the best poets since freaking Slick Rick. Bro, you are solidified. Make some good songs, bro. Like, I was so ready for him to be like, and I'm turning it on. I'm like, bro, why are you crying? Why is you crying? Give us Wale, bro. Give us the poet. Girls on drugs. Oh, man. Bro. The most- mm. Oh, man. Yeah. You have been gone for so long, and you give us a song of you crying. And complaining. Bro, give us. I'm going to be honest. I didn't even listen. Off. Listen. I just thought the music sounded good, so, so I, I was just very... Go back and listen to that track, bro. I need to listen to it more. <laughs> bro, yeah. Yadit, bro, he was cry- He was complaining so much. Oh, that don't, that don't surprise me at all, though. Like, like yeah. I get the kernel of it, because while they should be mentioned with a lot more people, like, um, he's just not likable, but it's generally because of the complaining. <laughs> Bro, he's like, definitely likable. I won't say that. No, Why I'm not. No, listen. listen if, if, he, if, if he was likable, no, like if he was likable the way, say, a Chance the Rapper, he has way better music overall than Chance the Rapper, for example. Now, I love two of Chance the Rapper's albums. And he fell off. But Wale has a lot Chance more music. Chance didn't have that's longevity. Good. Wale, Wale has agree. longevity. 
I agree. He's a poet. And makes similar music too. But like, think about it. Even like the musicality. No, no, no. no. I'm talking about the music, like how Chance like uses instrumental stuff, horns, uh, piano, uses that kind of sound. That gospel feel. Like that gospel feel. Wale's ear is like super underrated when it comes to all that stuff. Like he's way more musical than people give him credit for. Like, um, I know I, I love Wale. Like I think Wale's great, um, but I'm just saying in general. I think that's why he's not as big because in general I think people find it just kind of a little annoying when he's just. I don't know about you know, that, brother. I like I like him. I'm not saying me. I like him. I'm just saying he got it, man. Wale, <laughs> Wale or Big Sean? Wale or Big Sean? Wale. 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 Big Sean's yeah. albums are don't translate. He's a great he feature moments. artist. He has great moments. He just yeah. don't he does have good moments. Albums, yeah. bro. Sure. He, he doesn't have yeah. I like Detroit too. Detroit too is good, but he hasn't. It's not yeah. a lot of. It's not a lot of good albums he uh, he's put out. So Definitely. we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back with our Killers of the Flower Moon review. Welcome back to the show, and now we're getting into our Killers of the Flower Moon review. And to start with the overview, this is an epic revisionist Western crime drama film directed by Martin Scorsese and co-wrote wrote the screenplay with Eric Roth. The plot centers on a series of Oklahoma murders in the Osage Nation during the 1920s, committed after oil was discovered on tribal land. Stars Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro, and Lily Gladstone had a budget of two hundred million and brought in forty forty six point three million to the box office. Also had a ninety two percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And you know this this film has obviously had so much attention this past week. Obviously, the true story that Martin Scorsese was telling, and the fact that it, it was a story that needed to be told. There was a plethora of great performances. Also, um, what were your initial thoughts on this film, and just kind of like what you what you really felt in that first viewing of it? Man, there is a whole lot. Like, this is, like, if people don't know, like, in, like, the Native community, this is almost like how, like, when Black Panther came out for Black people, like, in 2018 or whatever, like, that's how big, I mean, we don't ever see movies like this with people in it. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, we don't ever see, like, like legit representation. We usually hear some weird version of it. So a lot of people were really excited but also apprehensive. Like for me personally, like I knew the background of what was going on already. I know the story, I know the legal parts. I mean, my degree right now is currently, uh, I'm in like law school for indigenous legal studies. And so like even understanding the legal aspects of this and then how this goes into so many current day things even. Um, so there was a whole mixed kind of thing because there was some apprehension. There was, should someone that's not native be telling a story like this? Should um, how excited can you be when you know what the content's going to be like, you know, True. like, it's like, it's like if, um, for a lot of people, how they see potentially a slavery movie or for, uh, maybe the Jewish community seeing a movie about the Holocaust, like yeah. you want history to be told and you want stories to be told, but also sometimes you're wary about, is it only a particular kind of story every time, you know? Um, that all being said, um, for me personally, obviously like Martin Scorsese is my favorite, um, movie director of all time. Yes. Like, I mean, that's not a stretch for most people to say, but for me, it's been since I was little, even uh, uh, Robert De Niro is my favorite uh, actor of all time. Oh, it's um, like a match made well, in heaven. It's like a match made in heaven yeah. for you. Yeah. Like, I think of them too, like Kobe and Shaq and Phil, you know? Um, yes. And so, like, me, me, me and your brother, even one time, were arguing with Robert De Niro and Denzel. And, um, my only point was that. Robert De Niro's in better movies overall than Denzel oh, yeah. is. Whereas Denzel carries movies that some without bad him. Films. Yeah, some bad Yes. 
yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But now, now there's a couple that are both together. But anyways, yeah. So like I was really excited about uh, watching it. Um, a lot of since the native community is so small, right? And like it's such a small community overall, numbers wise. There's so many of us that were like, oh, that's so and so. We know them. Or oh, that's so and so's uh, clothing. Or oh, that's so and so's beading work. Uh, yeah, we follow them. We interact. We talk about stuff. That's her uh, beading work in there. Or oh, that's what's her name on this other show that my friend and then my cousin and so and so did. Like it was crazy how everyone knew people who were involved. So yeah. Um, there was kind of an there was an excitement. Um, we know from what Martin Scorsese's talked about. Um, he had one direction with the movie, in which um, originally Leonardo DiCaprio was going to be the uh, the FBI officer. Who yes, came I in. heard about that. So yeah, so the the aim of the movie was going to be mostly centered on like the Osage people were going to be kind of almost background to like the real story being about the FBI being um created which is kind of how the book angles it a little bit too yeah and so there was it was really encouraging to hear him say like as he was looking at it he realized he was doing that Mm -hmm. and then started consulting with actual people in the tribe chiefs former chiefs president like um and people there who like they he literally changed things it wasn't like i said i was there and they told me that I know there are people who told him stuff and he changed it because it would have been maybe disrespectful or dishonorable, those kind of things. So that's what kind of caused me to be also excited for it, too, to he- to hear somebody who's willing to do that. Um, and most importantly for me, uh, all the people from that community were really excited about it, because I will say um, there's a mixed reaction from a lot of different native peoples. Yeah, um, I even saw. Um, I even saw one of the. Uh, I forget her name, but one of the reservation. Devry uh, Jacobs. Dog. Yes, yes, she was heated about it. Very heated. Yes, and 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 that that got into a pretty interesting discussion. There's a lot of people who were then upset because they were like, "Hey, you have a platform, and you're discouraging something that a lot of people put a lot of hard work into." Yeah. Um, but um, obviously, especially any Native woman having those kind of emotions. And coming out saying that, I'm not going to invalidate that at all because there's so much history of that. And it is pretty raw. Like, it is pretty hard to watch at times. Yeah. Like, to, to do. I, I don't think that it went to, it was not celebratory in the killing. There was no, even in other Martin Scorsese movies, there's usually like, a picture of the good life under he's that condition. He's glorifying the gangster yes. life usually. Yes, yeah. yes, he glorifies, but then he also shows you the the, the reaction. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he didn't even do that in this. The good life never really looked that good. He actually was showing these people really aren't that brilliant, smart, and conniving. Yeah. They they were kind of stupid a lot, and they they weren't these brilliant. Ooh, I'm a master conniver because they didn't have to be because it wasn't just them. It, the whole community was complicit. Yeah. Um, but anyways, that's kind of going super into it. I just, I just kind of wanted to to say a lot of that because it's a, it's a very it, like conversation that's been going on that way. And 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 I'm totally fine. Obviously, if there's other Native women or men who have those kind of views, like where they're like, hey, we want to tell these particular stories, or hey, we don't only want to tell these. Stories. But I also, for me, I thought it was a great movie. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, just as a as how they did it. Um, of course, there's certain critiques I may have, but. Um, Overall, I thought it was really good. Um, I thought they were, they did a really clear job of showing who's doing the wrong um, and yes. telling the stories of people and having some beautiful moments within it. I um, think there could have been a little bit more with some of that, but um, I, I think overall I was um, 
And I thought I did pretty good at tr- not getting too emotional until the very end. Oh and my I, goodness. I, seeing how they ended it. And I was like, oh, he's doing this because he's really trying to like as much as he can honor this person who's a real human. And he's like, remember this person's name. And this is who we're talking about, not just a movie. And he's just like looking ending. straight and telling that. I that was, was like, a beautiful ending. That was a beautiful But when it hit that, I was like, I was like, oh no, that caught me off guard. I was like, I didn't even tear up on these other parts, but the way they, the, it just like kind of all hit. And I was like, whew. Even my wife had to be like, hey, are you okay? I was like, Man. I'm going to be, you know. <laughs> and that's, and that's the thing. Cause like, I feel as though this was one of like, you know, and th- this is a spoiler, uh, a spoiler, a spoiler filled episode, but like, I feel as though that ending, the way he tied that in was such a different Martin Scorsese ending. I was like, oh, he's not going for the traditional type of trope that he usually does. Like, like, like looking back at that, do you feel as though he knew that he kind of had to put in a different, different part at the end to really like put this story together? I think so. Um, I could see him having another way to end it, but then perhaps through discussions with people, um, that influencing what he wanted to emphasize yeah. and how he wanted to remind people of this particular human being that went through so much and and to talk about it. Um, and, for, and for a minute, I think I read that the FBI did do an actual like radio play like that. They were kind of trying to tout the FBI, like, hey, look at what we did. We uncovered some stuff. So I think that was like a real production thing. But the way he like was explaining it about her, it was like almost stepping outside of it to a degree and being like, hey, this is what it was about. It's not even about these other people who did the thing, but like, let's remember this person who was, you know, and how they were a real live human being that these events happened to and stuff. So, yeah. (laughs) Heavy. Yeah, really heavy. Um, And I'll get into our first topic from one to four stars. What would you give it? Um, I would give this film four. It's it's techn- yeah for for sure four four is up four is up all the way. Um, it's technically oh. and visually beautiful. Uh, Scors- Scorsese just manages to place urgency into even the small moments. And another thing that gets me is like when people I, I left the theater and some people were saying, "Oh man, that was so long." I was like, I felt as though every minute was worth it. I really felt as though every minute was worth it. I like for for most uh, filmmakers they can't pull that off. I feel as though he beautifully ties in that length that duration of a film. And you know what you're going to get. I feel like you're going to get every, you know, everything worth it from from, from top to bottom. So uh, four, four stars for you. Uh, what, what would be your, some of your critiques for it? Um, only critiques, I think. I think even knowing what his aim was in the movie and even knowing what his audience was for the movie, yeah. I still feel like there could have been more of... Um, and I know it made sense within the story and with what really happened, but I really wish there wasn't such a long time that Molly was just kind of like in the bed and just kind of not yeah. really able to do much. Yeah. Like, cause I feel like she's one of the few people who, who's been with like Leo in a scene. And it's like, she's like in control. It's like she's Literally in charge. Control. Bro, she was in control of multiple scenes. That was yeah. insane. I've never seen that. I've never yeah. seen that. And, and she's, saying very few words but she's the one in charge of that and it and it was cool because i feel like even hearing how he's talked about her job acting and how uh it was i feel like that was like a real like you're willing to take a back seat yeah. in a movie that you know is like 
massive and you're willing to play a role that is like you're not just like this criminal like he's stupid like he's a fool a foolish person yeah and she's smarter she's alert she's aware of things um so i I think some of that and then maybe some of the um i wouldn't say this is a critique I, i understand some people have said well hey why are you trying to make it seem or emphasize or empathize with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character. Me and my wife even had this discussion and she was like, I don't know. I don't think it should. There's no empathy. And I heard another guy who was no sage person who worked on the movie. And he also had the critique where he was like, that's not love. He goes, you conspire to kill someone's family. That's not love. And what I think, I, I don't necessarily think that was the aim. I think the aim was to allow someone to place themselves into that character so that the movie hits them particularly. Um, And what I mean is like, (laughs) I've always remembered this essay I read out of all people on Hank Hill from King Mm -hmm. of the Hill. Mm -hmm. Um, Because if you watch a lot of movies, there's a lot of foolish um, men or racist characters that a racist or foolish person will be like, well, that's not me. Yeah. Um, They're not likable. They're not whatever. Versus they talked about the genius of like King of the Hill a lot is that Hank Hill is kind of like a likable guy who just kind of doesn't, he's kind of ignorant at times and then learns a little bit. So then it allows someone in a story to place themselves in that position and then to also learn along with him because they see the parts of themselves in that character. And so I think that's what Martin Scorsese was doing a little bit. I don't know if he was fully trying to uh, just give empathy to him. I think he was trying to allow people to see hey, even those of you who say you love these people or those of you who say you are for them or those of you who say you have good feelings and not direct animosity, you're still contributing to hurting them because it benefits you. Because in his words, I really love that money. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, And now we get into our next topic with favorite character. I I I would go with Molly because, you know, this was a true leading performance to me. She's the heart and soul of the film. It's subtle and moving all at once. And I know this film had Robert De Niro and Leonardo DiCaprio. I think you can make a case that she had the best performance in it at some parts. I really feel as though, like you said, she wasn't utilized as much, but I think the moment she was in it, she really outshined almost everybody. Um, To you overall, who's your favorite character? Yeah, I got, I got Molly. Um, Molly, I think, uh, you know, Lily Gladstone, I think she killed it. Um, she was awesome. I remember... Yeah, I think she did great. Um, I think Leo. I think Leo did do great. Yeah, he did. Um, sure. And De Niro. Uh, I think he did awesome. Yeah, and De Niro. And and I do want to give one particular shout out. There's uh, who I think did like the, she dominated her like twenty minutes. Anna. Her name is Anna. Uh, yes, Anna. Yeah, and so. Yeah, and so I I think Anna's character like, it was just the the actress who did it. I believe her name is Kara Brown. She. She did it in such a way I was like, man, I'd watch a whole spinoff of just like going through her life, her upbringing. Um, she's funny. Um, like she was just did really good. And so that I just want to give a special shout out to her. Um, Dion obviously Waiters didn't have the yes, the Dion the Dion Waiters Waiters. Waiters. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Um, and I'll get to most memorable scenes. I had the handsome devil scene, also front of the head. She's my wife, the table scene, uh, white man's money. Also, Ernest revealing Molly was pregnant, uh, villain and Rhea's house exploding. Then finally, um, Ernest testifying about the truth of the Osage murders. Um, t- to you, what were some of the, the scenes or maybe one in particular that kind of like was the, the standout for you? Man, one scene that I thought was incredible. Like, 
Oh, this was one that during the movie I was like, oh yeah, I could definitely like just tear up and everything during this part too was whenever Molly's mom passes. Oh my goodness. And she gets up and yeah, she just gets up. Cause I was sitting there and I was like, Oh, she, she passed. Like she's, those are her other relatives. Those are her ancestors. And she just kind of, she gets up and walks with them. And, and I guess that almost there's a part of me that wished that could be a critique too, that there could have been some more of that. Cause there was one part of that where that was like, that is such a hopeful kind of note in the whole movie that even though so much um, pain and so much awfulness is going on, there's this kind of like peace that she has in, in what's happening to her after her death. And just the way they did it, it was like, it didn't seem too weird and like this light shines down and you're hearing, you know, stuff. It was just so, it was, it was a really beautiful scene and it was so kind of just quick and and there. And I was just like, man, that was a good reminder kind of for that um, with everything else feeling so ominous and dark, you know, Mm -hmm. in the movie. I I really enjoyed that scene. Absolutely. Um, And I'll get into the most memorable quotes I had. Um, Expecting a miracle to make this all go away from William Hill. Also, you know, they don't, they don't uh, happen anymore from William. Uh, I ain't foolish because I've done everything right from Ernest. Money flows freely here now. Uh, no, we need to be quiet for a while. Swarm, it's well, it's powerful. Um, I need you here from Molly. Um, don't do something you're going to regret for the rest of your life. And all, finally, have you told all the truths? That closing scene with Molly and Ernest, I thought was really gripping um, and, and just a, a powerful, powerful way to, to have one of the closing scenes be. Uh, what were some of the quotes in here that you felt as though were like the most kind of thought provoking? Man, you know, like compared to a lot of movies, and especially one from Scorsese, there wasn't a ton of just particular dialogue yeah. that like was memorable or stuck out to me in a way that it might normally. Um, there's one though that I think, and it's funny because it's going to sound so simple, but I think really sums up some of the relationship between Ernest and um, Molly and subsequently a lot of... Uh, relationships even between what could be seen as well-meaning um, white people who have interacted with tribes um, as whenever he talked about how he at the end of the day what he loves is money yes. um, and and you love someone else up to the point that it interferes with that and 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 I almost wanted to write something and I still might but like about how William Hale, like, uh, you know, the Robert De Niro character is could easily be seen as representative of those who are the very direct malicious. We're trying to take your land and take your money type people who exist. Yeah. And Leo's character can be seen as those who are like, no, we, we still like you. We respect you. We don't have personal animosity to you. But at the end of the day. Yeah, like, I'm different. still looking out for my interests, mm-hmm. and if it hurts you, so be it. And so him saying that, just kind of like, because you see it. You can see a little glint in his eye. You can see that smile when he's like, well, I do love money. Like, you yeah. know, he, he even more than whenever he was getting excited about how much he loved women. Like, the almost, way he said that. <laughs> almost everything could go back to that quote. Almost everything could go back to that quote. At the end of the day, what it was, like, that scene in there, that introduction was like, yeah, this is what he's about. Yeah. This is what he's going to do. He's going to do anything for it. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely and now getting to kind of like what did you like the most about the storyline um to me you know 
how this movie was constructed, almost like a puzzle. Each creative piece, you know, formed the whole picture. And, and when you put it together at the end with with that montage of, of, um, of Scorsese coming in, you know, commemorating uh, Molly and everything that happened, I thought that was a great way to put it together. He really knew how to construct the emotional parts. And also, hey, this is, we're going to remember the the murders that happened, um, the, the the inhumane moments of, of the entire story. Um, what particular element of element of this storyline did you kind of like the most? I think I think one that's un, underrated or overlooked or potentially maybe someone has it a critique and they could say it could have been more explicit. I thought it was done well. Was the progressively um, how he progressively showed that it wasn't just because one or two people are doing something. Um, I mean, you see it very obviously, and this is where I was discussing it with someone, but I was like, hey, at the very end, when he's about to testify, it's the whole community telling him not to. It wasn't just his uncle. It was the the shop owner, the the uh, the police. It was the uh, doctors who were poisoning people. It was... It was the whole community. It wasn't just they were all in on it. Yes, and they even give the the slight reference to what happened in Tulsa, you know, with uh, Black Wall Street, and then they reference that, and they show, I mean, they show the clan like marching with them and them knowing them, like all the people, just like, hey, buddy, you know, yeah, <laughs> um, that that kind of stuff. I I think showing throughout this story, kind of anchoring it in those people and and getting you kind of interested in their dynamic and their relationship. But then showing how that exists in a society that is still going to just want your stuff, but not necessarily you. Um, and I've heard, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of in America, obviously, a lot of even a lot of black people I know talk about that, about how they they like our music and they like we, the way we dress. They'll like the stuff we produce, but they might not like not us. us. They're not us. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And so I, I, you can do, but I don't really like you. Yeah, because, like, you see, even, bro, even, I mean, Hale even speaks Osage. I mean, a lot of Osage don't speak Osage, you know? Like, like, like mm-hmm. it's it's the fact that he was appreciative of this. And you'll hear, man, I'll hear, it's so random, but you'll hear the most racist white dude. Like, I'll hear the most racist person still talk in a weirdly admirable way about natives at times, but in a way that we're not even existing. They talk about us like a mythical creature. It'll be like that they're like, you know, we admire your da-da-da-da-da, and and yet, at the end of the day, people are still going to be complicit to the degree it benefits them, even at the expense of others. And I think the movie did really well at showing that storyline without it feeling just super preachy. Yeah. Um, and some people say, hey, it should have been more explicit. But to me, I like if, if, if you lead with the preaching and not the art of storytelling – then you're it's you just write a nonfiction book or or write a do a podcast or do a, a research or do a documentary you know what i mean like like uh it should lead with the quality of how good it is and within that you're able to see what it's doing you know and how it unfolds and i think that was done really really well oh yeah definitely um and now getting to our next topic 10 years from now do you still think it'll be watchable and intriguing um i, I feel as though it will because these performance like it, it's it's controversial obviously it's going to have some people, you know, heated for a long time. But I think these performances are going to be long lasting. I think the story was necessary. Um, I, this is one I want to, I, I don't know how many times you've seen it, but this is one I want to go see again, just to see how that second viewing is. And I feel as though, but I really think it, it's the type of film, it, it's going to be interesting to see how it, how it looks multiple views. I think this was a, 
a masterfully done movie. It's gonna it's gonna be in the award nominations. It may not win overall because of of some some you know it, the controversy it's bringing with some people. But how do you think it'll age another decade from now? And just kind of like you know what you're expecting from your multiple viewings of it. Listen, can you name a Martin Scorsese movie that hasn't aged well? Like his movies look and sound good, even still, like to this day. Like I literally was watching Raging Bull yesterday. Again, oh, I love and, that movie. And yeah, and it even looks good. I forget how even the boxing looks much better than like Rocky and some other fighting movies and stuff. It's not great, but it's much better. Um, and a and guy, so, a yeah, guy who's I, not even focused on sports films can make a sports movie look just like impeccable. Like it's yeah. still to the same. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I I think it will. I don't think the the issues it's talking about will change to the degree that like that message is not needed. Because um, I mean, there's a lot in it that you could apply, obviously, to indigenous communities, but that then yeah. the same thing can still apply to uh, the black communities or various communities in America with the same type of thing. You, like if someone made a Black Wall Street movie, like if Martin Scorsese made one, like you could follow a very similar tone of what's going on and find out the things that were going on before. Yes. Uh, it all culminated in one event, you know? And so, I, I, yeah. So, yeah, I do think so. Definitely. And before we get to our, our bonus question, um, it's interesting that this past summer, Oppenheimer was talked about a lot. Um, Christopher Nolan has always been kind of, you know, one of my favorite directors as well. Like, Christopher Nolan, Tarantino, Scorsese, they're in that top three for me. And this that this movie grabbed a lot of attention I, I personally think Killers of the Flower Moon is a, is a better film. I, it's one to me that's, there was some, there were some dull moments in Oppenheimer. It, it, it For me, it dragged even more than uh, Killers of the Flower Moon was, because I feel as though Killers of the Flower Moon didn't leave out. It, 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 it kept in every necessary part in it. There, were, there was some fluff with Oppenheimer. Um, to you, out of the two movies, w- which one did you kind of enjoy more? Um, yeah, kill, Killers. Like, it, it was... Uh, I'm biased on like 15 levels. Yes. I mean, I I can't remember if I mentioned it on the pod or off, but like, yeah, Scorsese is my favorite director ever. De Niro is my favorite actor ever. Um, it has indigenous people in it. My favorite people ever, you know, <laughs> but like, um, and, and so I, it's kind of hard to do that. But I think even with that being said, I still think it was um, very, like, I didn't feel like it was too long. The only time I felt like it was, this is the first time I've ever went to the bathroom in a movie in like 20 years. I think yeah. I can't even remember the last time I did. That was the only time I was like, I had to go at least once. I had to go sprint. I go at least once. Yeah, I was yeah. like, I got to go sprint and come back. But um, but not. Yeah, I didn't feel like it. Versus, um, yeah, which I, I I just think it was better overall. Yeah, definitely. Um, get into our to our last question. Uh, we, we always do this when it comes to legendary filmmakers, like kind of top three favorite Scott Murns for the movies. I mean, you can pick whatever you want. I personally go with Goodfellas, Taxi Driver, and The Departed. Those are three movies I rewatch a lot. It just has high replay ability. Um, and everybody's going to have a different, different, but everybody has a different kind of top three favorite from Martin Scorsese. What would kind of be your particular ones? This, this is like insanely hard. Cause I feel like it's, it's tough. Like I, you, you could do different versions of this. Like you could be like, what do you think are the best ones? Yeah. What are your favorites? What do you like? And I feel like I'd almost have to qualify so much why I'm leaving something out. Um, but with if I'm picking three, Goodfellas is my favorite movie ever. So that's an easy like that's an easy pick for any list for me. I got, just, I got a Goodfellas portrait back. That's how much I love Goodfellas. I, I just noticed <laughs> it. Like I just noticed it. And so yeah, that's my favorite movie ever. So like that's an easy one on there. 
I put in, and again, probably because of the actor thing, I got King of Comedy and Casino um, oh, as my next casino two. Casino was so good. Yeah, King of Comedy and Casino. Uh, and look, I love The Departed. Um, I, I think it's really good. Um, if you're being super critical, there's times where it doesn't feel as like tight as some of his other movies in a similar type of genre, but it's almost a little more rewatchable than some of the others. So like, it's kind of a sure. give and take on that. Um, and w- what was the other one you mentioned? Uh, taxi driver taxi driver see you know and i love taxi driver it's one that i'm like uh i'm not i love dark, yeah time. i love dark like people never understand why I, I love dark movies and i feel like so that one is a very like it's a dark tale and i'm like yo this oh, is a is. social commentary this is social commentary oh it is i mean well what's great like the joker movie is literally king of comedy and uh taxi driver like mush them together and then yeah. put the Joker on it, and that's literally what the movie was. Like it was yeah. literally just followed the same thing. Imitation. Um, yeah. There's I mean, and Robert De Niro's on it. So <laughs> there's, yeah, there's actually a video. I forgot what YouTube page it is. I think it's like Film Connoisseur, where it does a, a like a, a comparison to Taxi Driver and the Joker, and it's like almost like night. Like it's so similar. It, it looks like yeah. a replica almost. Yeah, it, it, it's very. I think that's why they have Robert De Niro on there being the interviewer. Yeah. So. Bro, like, and I just want to say this last little comment. I really wish Scorsese didn't hate superhero movies. Because could you imagine? Could could you imagine a three-hour movie called Kingpin, directed by Martin Scorsese? Oh, that's the one. That's the one. Or just called, or just called King or Fisk, or maybe he gives it the long name, and it's like, you know, whatever. And like, could you imagine him producing a movie like that, and it just being a gritty? style movie of of wilson fist coming up a bit and this going on and then yeah man. i was almost sad that i had that thought because i was like that would have been amazing <laughs> not in the perfect cap to his career i don't know i don't know how many more movies he's got left in him but man if he closed that out with that would that would have been impeccable really impeccable yeah <laughs> um, well kevin it's been an absolute pleasure always enjoy having these talks with you man and thanks so much for being back on bro all right for sure thank you Well, that wraps it up for tonight. I'm your host, Wenta Burns. This has been Full Scope. See you later.